We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. You know, as, as a parent, having at least the, the four and one fiction to be here, hopefully not this morning, but it really from any time now until the 23rd, we are expecting a new child, number five. And so, I've learned a lot in, in my life of parenting in just the last nine years. My children have grown me as an adult, as a parent, and as a Christian. And I'm just amazed of how many sermon illustrations come out of our children's life. Now, I don't like to use a lot of them, but the reality is, is I'm sure that even I can't remember my childhood, but I bet if I were a pastor's son, he would have been able to use a lot of illustrations out of my childhood. And sometimes, you know, we're lucky enough as adults to get a glimpse into our childhood because someone remembers something silly that we've done. Our mother or father or grandparents will remind us of a thing or some action that we did as a child. And you know, I remember a story about myself as a child as I was young enough and I was beginning to learn how to count. And, and my mother told me one night that I was in the kitchen on the floor and I was counting to ten and every time I would count a number I would crack an egg on my head. And so it was one, two... Now, I don't remember that, but I trust that she's not lying about it. And now that I have my own children, I don't doubt it. <laughs> Many of those things happen to us as children are funny things. There are great moments in life. And if you've never had children, maybe you don't understand it, but as you become a parent, as you become to have your own children, you will begin to see... What a blessing it is to see those moments in life when they do things that are just hilarious. We are learning to walk as children, but many times as they're learning to walk, they fall. And a lot of times, if I would have had a video of my own children, and I probably do somewhere, I just didn't look, but we, those are times we take out the video camera and we record their first steps, and usually they wobble around a little bit, and then plop, they sit down. And we just get a kick out of it, and we record it. And those moments are awesome. They're great. And while they are some of the best moments in our life, wouldn't you all agree if they continued to do those things, it wouldn't be so funny anymore. If Hunter began to fall and couldn't walk straight, it would become no more cute. It would become a worrisome matter as a parent about my child. We would begin to worry about the development process of our children. We would begin to ask others, did your kids do this? How long was it before your child was potty trained? What, what, what are the, you know, we begin to even seek medical attention to, because we believe that maybe our children have a development issue if they do not grow from one stage of life to another. You know, this, the reality is much like our spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I named this message from the casket to the kitchen. Because this should be a great illustration of the process of our own lives as human beings in our walk with Jesus Christ as we begin to grow physically and spiritually. And I want to give this sermon today and I want to, to, to talk about these things because I want each one of us here at Mission Bible Fellowship like never before begin to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ and no longer begin to stay in one stage of life but begin to develop from this stage to the final stage until we see Jesus Christ face to face. 
And when we do those things, we begin to make great impacts for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are four stages in this process. Moving from the casket to the kitchen. The first stage is the casket. The second stage is the crib. The third stage is the table. And then the last, the fourthly, is the kitchen. And so we start looking at these stages and I want it to be understood that we all start at the same place in our journey of life. You know, we're going to have a child in just a few days, maybe a few weeks, but the reality is is we all begin at the same stage of life. In that, we see that stage is the casket. The casket. You know, the Bible is very clear that we are all sinners. It says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says that there is none righteous, no, not one. It says also that the wages of this sin is death. And so therefore, if you see, it's a wage. And when you go to work during the week, you go and you spend those hours, you go to collect what? A wage. Because you work, and therefore you receive a wage. And therefore here the Scriptures say that because we have sinned, the wage of that sin is death. And therefore we are all dead in the very beginning. Now it's important for us to grasp that. We must all understand we start all on the same playing field. The theological term that would, would describe that would be called the depravity of man. We are all depraved and unable to reach God. And that means we are completely dead in our sin. And it starts way back, if you remember, in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, as it says, Then the Lord God took the man, and He put him into the Garden of Eden, and to cultivate it, and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree... Of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Without going into great detail, I think we all know what happened in the Garden of Eden. And if you don't this morning, they ate of the tree in which they were instructed not to eat. And that day they died. They died spiritually. Their relationship that they had with God was no longer existent. The compassion they had with God was gone. And the friendship that they had with the Lord was severed. And the death was brought about on them. And that is the same death that is brought onto each one of us today as we are born into this world. We are infected with a sin virus, a sin nature. And so the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death, because they died because of sin, and death through sin, so death spread to what? All men. All people. Everyone on the face of the earth is infected with the sin virus, because all have sinned. And therefore, our lives begin with being spiritually dead. Now, that don't sound like good news. You may, I didn't come to church to hear about that bad news. Well, listen, the reality is, is, is I know most of you are not dead in your trespasses and sins, but that you're forgiven and free indeed in Christ. But the reality is, is I don't know if all of you are there, and so we must start at the beginning, and that's we're dead in our trespasses and sin. And so we all begin our lives in the casket. We begin our lives as dead. We have our child. That child will be brought into a world of sin. They will be infected with a sin virus. Now I do believe there's an age of accountability. But the reality is, 
is that as a young infant, though he's not able to understand right from wrong, one day he will grow up to understand the difference in right and wrong. And just because that, that child at the, at the early age is not at the age of accountability doesn't negate our responsibility as parents to help, to teach, to train these children on how to move from point A to point B all the way to point Z. And it's the same in our lives as leadership in this church. It's our responsibility to help teach and to guide the people of God, the sheep of the flock, how to move from point A to point Z. Ephesians 2, 1-3 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you were formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them were two, all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature's children of wrath. You see this morning, Scripture's clear, we all begin in the casket. And this morning I want us to understand that if you're here this morning and you understand now for the first time that you are a sinner, that you are separated from God, the question is how do we get out of the casket? That's the good news. The bad news is we begin in the casket. But God in His great love and mercy made a way that we might be brought out of that casket and into life. Do you believe that this morning with all of your heart? How do you know this morning if you're in the casket? Because we don't want you to stay there forever as a church, as Christians, as brothers and sisters. We want to see you come out of the casket and into the crib. And that takes simply trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? That the gospel is the power to save as Paul says it? That Jesus, what He did was enough to pay for your sin on Calvary's cross? And make you right with God? If you would simply believe in what He did on the cross, that would be enough to bring you out of the casket into the crib. You know, this morning you may ask yourself, well, Stuart, I'm not sure if I'm in the, the casket. How do I know? Well, you know, I had a guy in my office this week and I shared the Gospel with him. And I always begin, brother, on a scale from zero to hundred, zero being absolutely unsure, a hundred percent being absolutely If you were to die today, or Christ were to come back, how sure of that you would go to heaven? He said, oh, I'm, a hundred, I'm over a hundred percent sure I'd go to heaven. I said, that's wonderful. I said, but the reality is, just because you say you're a hundred percent, doesn't mean you could, you could be a hundred percent wrong. I mean, I could tell you a hundred percent, two plus two is six, and you'd say you're wrong. And I said, no, I'm a hundred percent sure. And so I said, well, let's just say you were to stand before God. And God said, why should I let you into my heaven? And He began to tell me why He was brought into heaven. He said, because I've given to the poor. I've lived a good life. I've suffered for others. I've done this. I've done that. And I tell you this morning, folks, that's an answer of someone living in a casket. They have missed what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. And when you believe that Jesus paid your price, then and only then can you move on and proceed to the next stage of life. And that's the stage of the crib. The crib. Now that sounds silly, I know. But the reality is, what do we put in cribs? What do we put in cribs? It's not a trick question. Babies. And so... 
That's what we all start out at, right? We, we, we now, we, we hear the gospel message. We see the hope and the glory of believing in Jesus Christ, putting ourselves away, trusting in Jesus, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus then saves us. He regenerates us heart. He indwells us with the Holy Spirit. And now we become babies in Christ. And this is our home for the next however many years it takes to move to the next stage. Now please listen to me this morning and understand that when I studied this, there were a lot of times I had to say ouch. I couldn't say amen, I had to say ouch. And this morning you may have to say ouch. But listen, ouch ain't necessarily bad. If you stick your finger on the stove and you say ouch, I bet you don't want to do it again. Well, this is going to help us see and understand what takes place in this crib. We'll be able to determine if we are still living in this crib. And when we see, yes, I'm living in this crib, I don't want to be in this crib anymore, I'm ready to move to the next stage of life. That's a positive thing. And so, we don't always want to stay babies, though babies are great, because it means they've been born. They've been born again, and and so baby Christians are in this crib. And the more time that I spend as a pastor, the more time I, I spend in individuals' lives, I begin to see that we live in a culture full of baby Christians. Now, I'm not calling you a baby Christian. That's for you to determine, not me. I'm just saying what I see with my own eyes, hear with my own ears. And what that tells me as a pastor is I need to do a better job at training people, training the flock of God to move from this stage to the next stage of life. Though God is in control, God is sovereign, God is in control of your sanctification, it's still the leadership's job of this church to train you and to equip you to move forward and to make disciples in this nation and in this world. And so I want to become a better trainer, teaching believers how to transition from this stage to that stage of life. And so how do you know this morning if you are still a a spiritual baby? Don't get disappointed if you find out I'm still a baby, because there's positive and really... Listen, I read some things that I said, you know what, I'm still a baby in that area of my life. You may, you may say, I've got that conquered, I've got that conquered, I've got that conquered, but you know what, I struggle with that, I'm still a baby in there. Praise God, because now God, you can begin to pray about it, ask for forgiveness, and begin to grow into the next stage. That way you grow in your sanctification. And so this is how you begin to know, what are some things that babies might do? Listen, I'm pretty experienced on what babies might do in the last nine years of my life. I won't go into details, but one thing I do see is that babies often find themselves fighting with other Christians. Babies will fight about just anything. Amen? Babies fight. They're like the malice. They they enjoy hitting each other. They enjoy hurting one another. And if they're left alone too long, guess what they do? They slap, they pull hair, they kick, they punch, they bite, they argue, they scream at the top of their lungs. They haven't yet learned that the other person in the room is not necessarily their enemy. So they live as though they were always fighting with other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And this morning I want to ask you a question. Are you mad at another another brother or sister in Christ? Are you angry this morning? Are you angry about a situation that's happened within the church, within your own personal life? They are not your enemies. Our enemy, the Bible says, is not against flesh and blood but against the world, against the demons, against the devils, and against our own very flesh that wants to lash out in anger. These are the driving enemies that we need to fight against, not one another in the the household of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's what babies do. 
babies fight. You just put two kids in a room with two toys and watch. It's like a wrestling match. The way our culture is going, we might even have a TV show before it's long with two kids and they're fighting over a toy. What else might a baby do this morning? Well, babies enjoy being the center of attention. They enjoy being the center of attention. You know, I watch my own kids. I remember doing this my own self. And I'm sure I was doing it a lot as a child. But you know, this is the moment again... We have to remember that we can't get angry when we do these things as baby Christians. We, we should expect it. We just don't expect it to last forever. You know, I think of my son Hunter. He wants my attention. All my kids want my attention. But my son especially. And, 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 and I'll never forget, as, as a young child, and he still does it something, he would try to get my attention. And he'd say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I mean, a hundred times. I was with somebody the other day, and I can't remember what I was doing. Of course, I can't remember. But, but he was calling my name, and I just started counting. One, two, three. I got all the way to like nine. I finally said, Son, what do you need? But, but he'll get in my face, and I'll be looking over here, and he'll grab me and say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And finally, I go, What, son? Those, those things are awesome. I love it. But eventually I want them to grow up and be more respectful. And so we need to as Christians, as children. They want to be known. Babies want to be known for what they've done. That's why when our children draw little pictures... They bring it to you. My daughter brought me one last night. She said, Dad, I drew this for you. And I said, oh, that's beautiful, baby. And you know what I did? Is I took it and I hung it up on the refrigerator. Because I want them to know I care about them. I want them to know that, that I do have their, they do have my attention. But they want to be the center of attention. And in our Christianity today, Christians want to be known. You just listen to the Christian radio. They, the Christian radio wants to be known to the public that they make an impact on the radio. Because what do they do? When they, they play an advertisement, they say, uh, this radio changed my life, this station changed my life. They, they want the testimony. We sometimes, as baby Christians, want to be the center of attention too often and too much. And so it's great to see babies doing these things. That means they're growing. But we want them to grow up and be more respectful. And so they, they want and they need attention, but what else do babies do? Babies uh, are sometimes shallow in their understanding of the Word of God. Can you blame them? I mean, if I gave my kids calculus right now, they'd go, question mark. They got no clue what they're looking at. It looks like Japanese. Well, as, as baby Christians, we can't expect people to be theological. We can't expect people to argue doctrinally because they don't have the understanding of the Word of God. But again, that's, that's okay. But if you as a person who have been in the church for 15 years are still not knowledgeable of the Word of God, that's not okay. Because if my kids never learn to spell and read and write, and they never learn what 2 plus 2 is, then I'm going to seek attention and say, what's wrong? Do they have something wrong where they can't understand? We need to do the same as Christians. We need to ask ourselves, where are we in our understanding of God's Word? Babies have little knowledge and understanding. They are not wise. They do things that make no sense. If you've got kids, you should be saying amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. When I was a young child, I used to do silly things that made no sense. I remember when I was a kid, and, and there was an RV parked across the street in an RV parking lot. And as a young child, I got my BB gun, and I went over and I shot the windows out of it. 
Why in the world would I shoot the windows out of an RV? Because I wasn't wise. I had no knowledge. I had no understanding that these things were somebody else's windows. This was not my RV. I didn't have the comprehension that, you know what, this costs money. Somebody has to pay for these windows to be fixed. I just didn't understand. And so, why did I do those things that made no sense? Well, it's because of my lack of understanding. And as babies, you know, sometimes things get messy because we don't have a lot of understanding of the Word of God. And that's okay. The encouragement is it's okay. The admonishment is let us begin to move forward and to grow and to study God's Word, to read God's Word, so that we can become more knowledgeable and understanding in the Word of God so that we might be more understanding and wise. I didn't realize that I could go to jail. I didn't realize a lot of things because I didn't have the understanding. But babies need, the Scripture says, to long for the pure milk of the Word. Remember we studied that in, in, in 1 Peter as we went through it. Because babies, they can, they can do things that would harm them. They can eat insects. They can stick things up their nose that cost you a lot of money at the ER. Some of you get that? They can even jump into the water over their head. They can play in the street. Unlike my daddy used to say, go out in the street, son, and dodge traffic. That's not what I mean. But they can go out in the street because they don't understand. They have no knowledge of pain and suffering and, and hurt and death and life. Maybe they can even drink poison. They can eat and ingest something that could harm them. And so, it's not until I as a parent, we as the leadership of the church begin, we do, and we do offer this, so I don't want to sound like we don't, but as we begin to teach the babies wise decisions, wise choices based off of the Word of God, not based off of my own philosophical thinking, but based off of what the Word says. And we begin to give them a good diet of the Word of God. That they for themselves can begin to see and acknowledge and understand and have knowledge of the things of God. What are some other things that babies may do? Well, they're easily offended. They're very sensitive. And I tell you, it's like, you know, God knows. He's, he knows what's happening in my life. Because last night was a long day. Rob was over at the house, we ate lunch, and he understands what I mean. Because he saw my youngest and the way he was acting, and boy, you talk about being offended. He's sensibly offended. That's life. That's what babies do. It's okay. I have to learn to deal with that and accept it and say, you know... Son, I, I love you and I want you to grow to the next stage of life. And so I'm going to teach you and train you the Word of God so that you don't have to do those things and you can begin to grow. And we can grow together because believe it or not, I'm growing as, as it's happening to me. And he's growing because I'm trying to teach him. And so we have to understand that, that babies are easily offended. That their feelings are easily hurt. When things do, don't go their way. When they don't get the toy they want. What do they do? They whine. They cry, they pout, they sulk. They even throw temper tantrums. These things are to be expected in babies. And again, this morning if you say, you know, I have some of these attributes in my life. Listen, it's okay. We're not holding it against you. But what we are saying is we want to see you move from one stage to the other. We want to see us grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and begin not to act like babies in Christ. If my son gets to make it 10 years old and he's still got these same attributes of a baby, we got problems. 
And we need to evaluate our life. Psalms 119.165 says this, Those who love your law have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. The King James Version, I like it better because I think it renders it more accurately. It says that, And nothing shall offend them. Now, This is, I mean, at some point we all have to say, ouch. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I get offended pretty easy sometimes. And so God has to work on me just like He has to work on you. And you may see things where you struggle, where I don't struggle. And it's not for me to point at you and say, you're struggling, but it's to say, hey, brother, let me come alongside of you and move you from point A to point B. Let me... Let me disciple you and and help you and love on you and invest in you so that we can move on to the next stage of life. Babies are never satisfied. Babies always seem to whimper and cry. They can cry for a toy. They can cry because they don't watch a TV show. You cut the TV show and they're crying about something else. They're never satisfied. And so a baby gets hungry, what do you do? You feed him. After he fusses, you feed him. He gets tired. He starts crying. He starts acting crazy. You give him a nap. Next he wakes up with a dirty diaper. You change the diaper. He begins to play. You refuse to play. He goes back to crying. He's hot. He's cold. He's never satisfied as a baby. Again, it's to be expected. It's a training process for all of us. All those in the next stage, as they look back, have to remember that's where we used to be. We used to be I used to be a lot more babyish than I am today as a new believer. Because we all start out in the same place. We don't all finish in the same place. Because the Lord, He may tarry for another hundred years. He may tarry for another thousand years. But if the Lord were to come back today, we would not all be in the same place. We just sang a song this morning, right? Soon and very soon, I'm going to see the Lord. If today were the day you were going to see the Lord, are you okay with where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ right now? And I don't think any of us could say yes. And so we need to learn to grow. We need to to understand how that happens. In babies, we need to understand, never satisfied. That's really why some people decide that they don't want to have children. They're too consuming of their time. They can't deal with all this consumingness that a baby takes. And I'll just tell you, it's hard to deal with babies, at least for me. I'm, not, I'm a daddy of four, but I'm telling you, I struggle as a parent with babies. Screaming, selfish little vipers in a diaper. And if they were big enough, boy, they'd choke you out. I want that cookie, pal. I didn't come up with that. Somebody else did, but it it was funny, so I said it. (laughs) We need these babies. We need you babies, whoever you are. That's not my judgment call. I simply want to give you some things that babies do so you can determine where you might need to grow more. We need these babies to move to the next stage of life. And that's why we have Sunday school class. The only thing you do is come in here to worship and sit down during the Sunday. So that's okay, that's great. But if you want to get from the crib as a baby to the next stage, it takes in time and investment in the Word of God and sitting under the teaching of God's Word. And that's what we do during Sunday school. That's what we want us to do. We want us to be involved. We give small groups in the home and we have... Godly people who are teaching, who are training and trying to raise up godly people and to draw them from one stage of life to the next stage of life. And that goes for us as leaders because you know what? I can't take you any farther than where I'm at. If I'm still in the crib, guess what? I can't take you to the table. I can bring you into the crib and get you as far as I am. And so guess what? Stuart better be sitting under some godly teaching as well. 
and learning and training and studying the Word of God so that I can grow in my walk, so that I can bring you along and the elders and the leaders in the church can bring you along, the Sunday school teachers, the small group leaders, they can bring you along in the next stage of life. And so my challenge to you this morning is that we need to put on our big boy pants and move from the crib to the table. From the crib to the table. Now, this is tough. Things get messy at the table. I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to somebody's house, if you've ever been to my house, and you watch kids eat, things get messy at the table. And so even some parents will begin to, to put their kids in a high chair and let them eat over there with a tarp on them and, and a raincoat because it gets messy when you move from the crib to the table. Because it, though people are still feeding you, I mean, Jennifer will feed our child. The baby can't eat on his own. He'll, she'll feed him milk. And then eventually he'll get to the table. She'll still feed him, but he begins to learn how to eat. And he starts operating with these utensils and things go to flying everywhere. But great things happen at the table. Great fellowship begins to, to take place. God's truth begins to be revealed at the table. When you come together as a family and you sit down and your kids begin to, to communicate with you and you talk about things. And When you go to someone else's house and you sit down at their table and you begin discussing the matters of God and, and you begin growing. Somebody's still feeding you, but, but things take place at the table. And that's fellowship. You begin to get understanding. Though you're beginning to be fed the Word of God more and more, God becomes more real. You begin to hear what God is doing in this brother or this sister's life. You hear what God is doing in children's lives. And you're just so encouraged and that fellowship and that enjoyment at the table begins to take place. It's where relationships begin to, to be built. You begin to laugh together, tell jokes, and even begin to tell others what God is doing in your life. I got off the phone yesterday with a young lady from this community that we have spent some time with. We shared the hope of Jesus with her, and she was in struggling situations, but, but she's moved. I can see the transition in her life within the last eight months of her moving from one stage of life to the other as she begins now to be at the table where she's digesting the Word of God on her own. She's beginning to, to search and to learn how to work through the Word of God. And now she's beginning to tell the testimony of what God has done in her life. The time that, that's been invested in her is so valuable. That's what happens at the table. Someone is always bringing you something to eat at the table. And that's okay. Somebody's bringing the food to the table. I, I know personally when I go home, and, and it's been a long day at work, it's been a long day for my wife, probably much longer for her than me, but she still brings the food to the table. And so I sit down and, and, and I say, you know, can you pass the... The hog mall, can you pass the pig feet? We're not in South Carolina anymore, I'm sorry. Can you pass the elk meat? Can you pass the deer burger? Can you pass the bread and the mashed potatoes? Somebody is preparing that food that's at the table. And I tell you, as my life as a young Christian... As, as I grew in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and I began to transition from a baby Christian to sit at the table and begin to study the Word of God among, I had people serving me. I had men of God that invested in my life that, had, that, that was a part of making me who I am today. Today. 
I think of those nights that Jimmy Farabee, a dear brother of mine who invested his life into mine, who said, hey Stuart, let's meet together. I want to hold you accountable. You hold me accountable. Let's study the Word of God together. I want to teach you how to make disciples. And week after week, he invested his life into me. And then he moved on to another community, to another place, and then another man. Later in my life, as I was still at the table, had no business still being at the table, but I was still there. That's okay. That's acceptable. But there was a time where I needed to transition. And then another man, John Chittister, came into my life. And he invested into my life. And week after week, he poured into me the Word of God. And he trained me on what it was to make disciples. Not to simply be a disciple, but become a disciple maker. And I tell you that this morning, that someone's always bringing you something to eat. And that's okay for a time. But God wants us to move from that stage to the next stage. Some have stayed at the table their whole entire Christian life. God wants more. And let me tell you, things can get real comfortable at the table. You know, when I go to the table at night, sometimes I prop up my feet at the table and I'm just like, man, this is great. I'm fixing to eat. It's good. Someone has worked. My wife has, has worked hard, prepared this meal. Guess what? I didn't prepare it. She prepared it. And we get comfortable with that. And the same thing happens when we come to church. Do you realize that these men these, that teach these small groups, these leaders who teach these... They are preparing spiritual food. And sometimes we can come in and we can get comfortable sitting under that without ever wondering how can I begin to be a preparer. Because it's comfortable having others serve us. But God wants more. Comfort level is good. And you're okay with the milk of the Word. Listen, men have invested. Pastors have spent time. I'm not the only pastor you've been under. I know for a fact that we may be different preachers but the man who, that I came into his footsteps here loved you, served you, and preached his heart out to you with everything he was able to do. And he is invested in your life, not so that you sit at the table, but that you might move to the next stage of life. Hebrews 5.12 says this, You have been believers so long now, that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. This was not the, the our culture and our time is not the only struggle with this issue. We are human beings from the beginning of Adam and Eve until the return of Jesus Christ, and we enjoy comfort. And God wants more for us. He says we ought to be teaching others by now. But instead, you need someone else to teach you what 2 plus 2 is. And I'm telling you this morning, not as not because as I'm mad at you or because, because I love you, I want you to begin to be able to teach others the Word of God. Because that is the will of God for all of us. Not to be consumers. There is a time for that. The only way we can start eating solid food, and that means we have to grow up and take responsibility knowing that someone else is cooking the food for you, and that one day we need to move. We need to pray, God, help me to move from the table to the kitchen. Help me to move so that I can begin to, to prepare spiritual food for others. And the way that's done is to push back from the table, to get up, to move into the kitchen. To move into the kitchen. 
And, and I put that picture, I have no idea who that guy is. He might even be serving alcohol right there. That's, uh, whatever. But I put it there because I want you to understand, it gets hot in the kitchen. It gets hot in the kitchen. And you know what? The kitchen is a messy place to work. Especially when you begin to transition from the table to the kitchen, you can really mess things up in there. You might burn some food every now and again, but that's okay because it's a learning process. Listen, when I began preaching last year, in 15 years, I'm going to look back and go, wish I'd have never preached that one before. Because God begins to grow us and teach us that maybe that wasn't the right recipe, Stuart. But the, 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 the positive side is not how the food turns out. That's important. But the important thing is that we begin to transition from this stage to this stage. The kitchen is where you are now preparing the meals for those in the crib and those at the table. Listen, there's fellowship in the, in the kitchen as well. If you look in the background, there's another man in there. And then, and then if you look to the right, which you can't see, there's another man in there. They're working together to prepare the food. There's fellowship in the kitchen. There's even a little bit of eating in the kitchen. Because let me explain what I mean. A good chef always tastes his food before he serves it. And you can bet before these teachers in this church feed you some food, they have tasted it themselves. They call it the ethos. As a pastor, we better be living out what we're proclaiming from the pulpit. As an example. And when we get to the kitchen, we better be living out what we're teaching. Or doing our best to do it. The kitchen is where the Lord wants you to strive to be. The Lord wants us to help guide you as the leaders of this church from the table to the kitchen, from the crib to the table, from the casket to the crib. Matthew 28, 19-20. Uh, Many of you have this verse memorized. But I heard Francis Chan preach a message on this the other day, and he said, you know, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands that I've taught you, and lo, I'm with you always until the end of the ages. We memorize that verse, but do we do that? That's the question. Do we do that? Because I could tell my kids to go clean their room and they could come out and say, Daddy, I memorized what you said. Daddy, you said, go clean your room. And I memorized, you said, hey, Daddy, go clean your room. Good job, son. No, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. He didn't say, go memorize it. He said, do it. It doesn't make any sense to memorize it if we're not living it out. And so there are. God wants us to be in the kitchen making disciples, baptizing people. And then it says here, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them. We're not teaching at the table. We're teaching in the kitchen because we are preparing a meal of spiritual food for our brothers. We are called by Christ to do something. And it's, it's not... To always be at the table. But when you begin to grow and you begin to teach, you begin to see God work. You may say, Stuart, listen, I ain't trained like you are. I can't teach the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I remember about 10% of what I learned in Bible college. If that. You can learn what I learned in Bible college just by studying the Word of God. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. When people fail to move from the table to the kitchen, guess what? The people in the kitchen can begin to get burnt out. And then what happens? The whole body suffers. You know why? Because when the chef gets burnt out and he doesn't prepare any more food, guess what happens? Food don't get served. And so we need to, listen, who knows what God's got planned? 
I know we have elders in this church, some young, some older. If I, if I were to kill over, which that's okay, I'm ready to go be with Jesus, someone else would have to come in. Once these elders are gone, someone else is going to have to come in. And so we need to be training, discipling for the next man to step into those positions. And so we need to be thinking about what happens in the kitchen and how can I get in that kitchen? I want to be in that kitchen. Is that the desire of your heart this morning? Listen, I am blessed to see people in this church in the kitchen working every week in our church. And it is honestly an encouragement for me to know that I don't get burnt out because I don't have to do everything. We have people serving in this church. But I still see people at the table that should be in the kitchen by now. And maybe you're too comfortable this morning. But my encouragement to you is to push away from that table and to step into that kitchen. I see many that are still in the crib. We're patient. We're praying for you. We expect it. But we don't expect you to stay there just like I don't expect my kids to always act like babies. It's time to put our pants on like big boys and get to the table. There may be even some in the casket here this morning that have not trusted fully in their faith in Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, how sure are you that you would go to heaven? You can be 100% with no doubt understanding the gospel, knowing that it's Jesus Christ who took your place at Calvary, and that there's nothing that you or I can do. And so... We are doing all we can to reach those people with the message of Jesus with hopes of seeing them move from the casket to the kitchen. Let's pray this morning. Father, Your love is unbelievable. You love us. You admire us. You care for us. Even those who are not in Christ, you love so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on their behalf that they would simply believe the gospel message. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would have mercy on every soul in here. That you would begin to show us where we are. Whether we're in the casket, whether we're in the crib, or whether we are dining at the table. Lord, help us all to be better chefs in the kitchen. Help us to get there, Lord. And only through your ability and only through your strength and your power can that take place. And I ask this morning, Lord, that you begin to convict our hearts to show us where we need to grow, that we might become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this church and this community and what a blessing that they are to this community people in this community as they seek help we pray God we might be a light on a hill and that they might come and see the good hope of Jesus as we meet their needs not only spiritually but physically we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ amen